Welcome to our podcast here at Encounter Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We pray that as you listen to this message, you will not only be challenged, but changed. Our desire is to be a place where life starts, love happens, and purpose is revealed. If you're in our area, join us on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. and every first Wednesday at 6.45 p.m. For more information about our church, you can visit us at EncounterChurch.today or follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Periscope. Just search eChurchBR. We invite you now to open your hearts to receive what God has for you. Here's today's message. Up there underneath it, it showed the areas that they were serving in. And wow, I mean... To see Avery, she's working in so many places. Our students here outserve our adults. They really do. We're just so blessed to have them. So adults, we got to step it up, man. We got to get in with it. So just really proud of our students there. But hey, guys, how's it going? Everybody's doing well? Anybody confused? They're like, he just got off of the stage and he kept walking. Where is he going? Yep, he's not coming back. You're stuck with me for just a little bit, guys. But thank you. Um, I've got Molly on my side. But yeah, I'm Christy Hanby. My husband and I are the youth pastors and student life pastors here. And it's just such an honor and privilege to serve those students. As you can see, we've got some great students that we serve. We just love them. And yeah, I um, was there anybody here for the first time? Did anybody wave their hand? It totally messed up the beginning part of my message. I had a joke for that, but it will not make any sense if there's nobody new here. So y'all got to get some people here, okay? Amen? Amen. All right. Well, I just want to honor our pastor this morning. He is such an amazing leader. As you saw, he's been leading Megan for 22 years. We've been under his leadership for the past five years, and I've just grown so much being under him. He's such a great mentor to us and pushes us beyond places that we think we can go and just gives us the courage to be able to do it. So I just want to honor them. Pastors Philip and Kelly Pimlott. Amen. Also want to honor my awesome husband. Without him, I really honestly couldn't be up here. He gives me such great courage and confidence, and he's constantly rooting me on and telling me that I can do it. And I'm telling you, as a man supporting a woman up here on a stage, it is such a humble thing and just shows such great integrity in you, and I love you so much. Love you, babe. Amen, amen. Well, all of the gushy stuff aside, I'm ready to get in the Word. Are y'all ready? Half of you are. Half of you are like, bring Pastor Philip back. Bring him back up here. So, all right, so let's get started. Our key verse today, I'm going to be in 1 Samuel 9, 20, and it says this. All morning, I'm going to be in the NLT version. It's a great version that I love, and it says this. And don't worry about those donkeys that were lost three days ago, for they have been found. And I'm here to tell you that you and your family are the focus of all of Israel's hopes. Come on, does anybody's family need some hope this morning? Amen. Let's pray. God, I just thank you, Lord, for an opportunity to be here, God, to just be a vessel before you, God. I just pray right now, Lord, as I speak, God, that your voice would be the voice that I hear and that I speak. God, that I would echo the voice of my Father today of you, Jesus. And I just ask, God, that as your word is spread in this place today, God, that every heart and every mind, God, would come into alignment with what the Spirit wants to accomplish in their lives and in the lives of this church, Jesus. We thank you, God. We surrender 
surrender to you, God. We say all pride aside in the name of Jesus. We love you and we thank you. And if you believe in that, let me hear you say amen. 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 Well, awesome. Awesome. Y'all give it up for Michael. Awesome. Excited about that. Well, hey guys, I'm going to about, I am about to go into a portion of scripture that's going to take just a little bit of time. The first service as I'm talking this, I had like the biggest blank stares at me and I'm like, oh my goodness, these people are not as patient as my 11 o'clock people. My 11 o'clock people get into it or I thought they did. Y'all did last week. Y'all did last week. Maybe it's just Pastor Philip. No, I'm kidding. But yeah, so I want to just speak to you today because the Lord, when, when Pastor Philip asked me to speak, the Lord had been working on me and uh, writing this message. And so whenever he asked me to preach, I agreed upon the terms that God had already given me this message. And I said, yes, I will preach. God gave me this message. I really feel like it's for our church. And so as I begin just going through my daily Bible reading, God just brings this revelation to me and derails the whole plan. And I'm like, God, I did not agree to uh, preach on that. I agreed to preach on the other thing. What is going on? So he just, he did his thing. And so I just had to say, okay, because I couldn't get out of it like I wanted to. But anyway, so yeah, we're going to be in first Samuel chapters nine and 10. If you're on you version today, the title is going to be different than what it actually is. So you'll have to see if you can figure out what the title is in just a minute. But the title is going to be donkeys for distraction. Say that donkeys for distraction. I hope at least it will make some sense to you in a little bit, but if not, I apologize. Um, All right, so it's funny because my girls, um, we were sitting at the kitchen table, and as I was preparing, I was asking them to help me with some sermon material, and I was like, hey, I'm going to be preaching on distraction, and I just wanted to see if you guys, like, had any stories about our family that could help me out, you know, so I could maybe have a laugh or two, and, and they just were so ready to not give me some stories about our family, but they had stories about me, which was not what I was asking for, but they were, like, ready. It was almost like they were, like, at the beginning of a, of a race, and they were just ready to give all of this dirt on me. So I was like, well, I guess I have to share that now because I asked. But anyway, so they reminded me of this story. My middle daughter was at driving school and I go to pick her up and I'm driving down the road on 4-H Club Road. I'm heading home. I'm minding my own business, texting and driving. And all of a sudden my daughter screams at me, mom. And so I look up and this mailbox jumped out at me. I mean, it, like I'm telling y'all, I'm, like I said, I'm just minding my business, texting and driving, and this mailbox jumps right out in front of me. So luckily, she screamed at me, and I looked up just in time to see the mailbox, but not enough time to miss it completely, because I had this brand new vehicle, and it just started at the front of my vehicle and just scratched it all the way down. Yeah, see, I was actually responding to a text. It was a group text from our pastor and my husband. So I was under the assumption that I was like covered under that pastoral umbrella of protection, but I was so wrong. Don't try this at home, kids, okay? So I'm driving home. I am just like 
I'm so ashamed. I've got my daughter in the car just coming back from driving school, and she is lecturing me the whole ride home, okay? The whole ride home, she's lecturing me, but it just was preparing me. You know, some things are preparation. It was just preparing me to get home to my husband. He's like, why are you texting me and driving? I was like, I was answering you. So anyway, yeah, but they weren't done. That wasn't the story that they ended with. They had so many stories to keep, and they all involved vehicles. Um, so anybody in here not the best driver? Okay, yes, thank you for admitting that along with me. So they told me, about, <laughs> this lady in the back, she was like, oh, kind of, my husband's next to me. But no, so they were like, yeah, mom, remember that time you were backing out the driveway and Arden was screaming in the back seat and you were distracted. You like straight up ran into Bob's car. Or what about like a month ago where you were trying to, listen, this happens to everybody. This has not happened to y'all. I don't even know what to tell you. I'm backing out of my driveway and the trash can's there. Okay, I am trying to not hit the trash can. It's not my fault that the trash people didn't put it back in the spot. So I'm in my rear view mirror and I'm backing up, backing up. I missed the trash can. And she's like, yeah, mom, but you didn't miss my car. And she's like, now my car door won't even open. And I'm like, baby, I'm sorry. You got liability. You're going to have to deal with it. (laughs) Oh, man, don't you love sermon material? But look, I think that you can all agree that you are very thankful that I am behind the pulpit today and not behind the wheel of a car for you guys today. Amen? Amen. (laughs) All right. So yeah, that sets that story up. But if you didn't notice, today we're going to be talking about distraction. Distraction, okay? We're going to be talking about distraction. So we're going to be, like I said, in 1 Samuel 9 and 10. So I need y'all to give me like just a few minutes. I'm going to set this story up, but it's really important that I give you the basis of the whole story. So can y'all be with me for just a minute? All right, I'm watching you, Aiden. I'm looking at you. He's shaking his head. I need you to take care of that whole row for me. Okay, you got me? Y'all got me on this side? All right, good. All right, so 1 Samuel 9 and 10. So there was this man named Kish. And Kish was a wealthy and influential man. And one day, his donkeys strayed away. And so what does he do like any good dad would do? He gets his son on the project, and he's like, hey, son, I need you to grab a servant, and I need you to go and find my donkeys. Saul gets out there. He's an obedient son. He and the servant, they go out. They're walking. They're looking for the donkeys, and they're searching, and they're searching, and they're searching, and they cannot find these donkeys anywhere. They can't find them anywhere. And so Saul, at this point, he's beginning to get stressed, and he thinks, you know what? I think we just need to go home. I think we need to give up. I think we need to go home because I think my dad's going to be more worried about me than he's going to be at these donkeys at this point. But see, the servant, he was a servant and not a son. So he wasn't quite as ready to give up. You know, they're going to have a little bit different consequences as a servant than a son. And so he says, hold on. Wait a minute. I know a guy. I know a guy. There's this guy named Samuel. Say Samuel. Good, you're still with me. There's this guy named Samuel, and he is a prophet. And if we can just find this guy named Samuel, then I think he can tell us where the donkeys are. So they go out. They get to this village. They find some ladies. They're at the well drawing some water. And see, here's the thing about Saul. Saul is tall, dark, and handsome. The Bible actually says he is the most handsome man 
in Israel. So you think these ladies are going to help them out? Yeah, these ladies are going to help them out. So they get there and they're like, hey, ladies, do y'all know where this guy named Samuel is? And they're like, yeah, I'm going to help you to Samuel. So they show him to the way to Samuel. They see this man. They walk up to him and Samuel looks at Saul and he stops in his tracks. He looks at Samuel in the eye with these big eyes and God speaks to him. And he says, that's the man I was telling you about. That's the man that's going to lead my people. See, right before this, all of the people of Israel had been whining and complaining. Man, can I relate to that with my kids? Just kidding. I have one of them in here, so I get to pick on her. Um, They were whining and complaining because they were ruled by judges at this point. And a lot of the other nations had kings. And so they kept going to Samuel saying, just give us a king. Samuel didn't think it was a good idea, but God finally told him, give those people what they want. And he told him that day, I'm going to send you a person, and he is going to be the one that's king. So he's looking at Saul. God is speaking to him, telling him, this is the guy. Amen. Come on. This is the guy. So as he's going there, he goes up to Samuel. And before Saul can even ask about the donkeys, he uh, replies with this in 1 Samuel 9.20. And he says our key verse. And don't worry about those donkeys that were lost three days ago, for they have been found. Say found. They have been found, and I'm here to tell you that you and your family are the focus of all of Israel's hope. You want to know what his reply to that was? His reply was, whoa, I am of the smallest tribe of Benjamin, and we are the least of these people. Why are you talking to me like that? I don't even know what you're saying. Whoa, like king, we don't even have kings here. What does that even mean? So he's very confused. He's very insecure, and I'm looking at this story going, at the beginning of this chapter, it said that you are wealthy and you're, you're influential. You sound pretty privileged. What's going on? But no, he's sitting there saying, no, I'm of the smallest and I am the least of these. And I think he was really being serious here. So Samuel does not even respond to that. He does not respond to that insecurity. What does he do? He invites them to eat. Come on, who's ready to eat? Y'all, I know everybody gets excited about what? Okay, two people. Yeah. Who's ready to eat? We're ready to eat. All right. And so they go. He invites them to this great dinner, and he's this honored guest. So they sit down, have dinner, and then he tells um, Saul one very important thing. He says in 1 Samuel 10, 6 and 8, he says, At the time, the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you. You will be changed into a different person, for God is with you. That was his response to, wait, I'm not good enough. I am the least of these. He said, hold up. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. You're going to be a different person. And God's going to make you king. You're going to be different. That's what his response was. So then he sends Saul home for seven days. Can you imagine getting news like that? And then he's like, you can go home for seven days. I'll meet up with you later. I would not like that. I would be in distress over those seven days. And so... At the end of the seven days, Samuel gets all of the tribes of Israel together, and it is time to anoint Saul as king. So Samuel gets up there. He's ready. He's probably got the oil, maybe a crown, a robe. I don't know what he's got going on, and it's all ready. And they look around, and they can't find Saul. Where'd Saul go? Samuel's like, somebody go find him. So he goes and finds him, guess where he was at? He was hiding among baggage. 
this big, tall, wealthy, influential, handsome man has been hiding among the baggage. Come on, so what does Samuel do? He grabs him out. He brings him to the front. He anoints him king anyway. I don't care if you're in baggage. Get out here, boy. It's time to happen. So he anoints him as king, and all of the people shout, long live the king. Y'all say that with me. Long live the king. Amen. So you made it, guys. You made it through that long story. Thank you for persevering with me, but that sets up the whole stage, okay? So today I want to talk to you about be about action, not distraction. Be about action and not distraction. I don't know about you, but the summer is just full of distraction. Your kids are home. You're trying to write a message. Your five-year-old's watching My Little Pony, and then you end up making a sermon about donkeys. I mean, I don't know. So <laughs> you, you work with what you got, okay? But anyway, so we're going to be about action and not distraction. In our key verse, Saul was telling uh, Samuel, excuse me, was telling Saul to stop worrying about the donkeys. Stop worrying. Does that sound familiar? Last week's message. Who made a trust box? Any, all right. Nobody. Um, so if you didn't make a trust box, y'all catch the message from last week. It's on podcast. It was an awesome, awesome message. But we're going to be about action, not distraction. And see, Saul had to stop chasing the donkeys. And that's our point number one. Point number one is stop chasing donkeys. At the beginning of our story, Kish had lost his donkeys. He sent his son on a journey to go and find donkeys. That was the purpose, to find the donkeys. And on his journey of looking for donkeys, he meets Samuel. Samuel leads him to his destiny, to his real purpose. If we are not careful we will take something that was meant for a temporary purpose and we'll stretch it out and make it a long-term purpose when God said, I only use the donkeys to get you where you need it to go. It's time to move on. Amen, amen. In this story, guys, the donkeys are distractions. And I think some of us need to get some King James Version donkeys out of our life. If you're not familiar with that, Go read the King James Version of this. You'll get what I'm talking about. But it's time to get the King James Version donkeys out of your life. Amen? Amen. Well, distraction will lead you to a place that you did not intend to go. It'll keep you there way longer than you ever expected. It's like clickbait. You ever go on social media? You're just going for a second. I need to find out this person's birthday because I forgot. And then like 30 minutes later, you're watching videos of a cat like wearing a sweatshirt, and it's like walking a tightrope, and you are like, this is so interesting. How did I get here? You know, I'm the only one. I guess I'm the only one. Yeah. But true story, this is, I was on the, on FaceTime with my two best friends, and we're in this really deep conversation. We're just having this great conversation, and I'm looking in the screen, and I look down at my hand, and I see a half-eaten Christmas cake. Y'all, this is a true story. I'm not lying to you. I don't know if anybody can relate to this. I look down and there's a half-eaten Christmas cake. And I look at it and go, where did this come from? I have no idea where this Christmas cake came from. I was very confused. I had no memory of walking to the pantry, opening the box, getting out a Christmas cake, opening up the noisy wrapper, taking a bite. You know those sprinkles. They go everywhere. I had no memory of any of that happening. Why? 
because I was so distracted by my conversation that I was unaware of my actions. And sometimes in our life, we get so consumed with distractions that we become completely unaware of our actions. Come on, guys, God has not called us to live a life of distraction. We have to be about action and not distraction. In 1 Corinthians 7.35, it says this, which I think would be a great key verse, life verse for any parent. It says this, I'm saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. Come on, parents, could that not be a prayer for our children? It's like, hey, honey, I'm not trying to put restrictions on you, but I want you to serve him the best that you can with as few distractions as possible. I don't know about y'all, but that's not just something that I need for my kids. That's something I need for myself. I need to get these distractions out of my life so that I can serve Jesus the best that I can so that I can stop chasing donkeys and go on the road and meet a man who's going to lead me to my purpose. Come on. Anybody, it's time to get those donkeys out of our lives. How do we remove distraction from our life? How do we do it? How do we do what this says to live the best life with this least distractions? It's discipline. We have to have discipline. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write this down. Daily discipline diverts distraction. Daily discipline diverts distraction. If you're a person that works out, anybody in here work out? Awesome. A couple people. So if you work out, what happens? You develop discipline in your life that makes you work out because nobody feels like working out 95% of the time, but you begin to develop these disciplines in your life so that when you don't feel like it, You do the work, the hard work, the work that Jesus set you out for you to do. You do that because you have the discipline. Or you read your Bible when you don't feel like it because you pull it out and you do the same thing every day in the same place. And you get that revelation from God in that moment because you have a discipline. Because God desires discipline in our lives. Amen. Amen. All right, come on. The world has given us a very distorted image of what it's supposed to be. And when we're distracted, when we live in that distraction, it's going to constantly divert you from the course that God's called you on. It's going to constantly do that. It's going to take you down roads that you didn't want to go, just like that clickbait. It's going to take you where you don't want to go, and it's going to keep you there longer than you want to. But come on, God's called us to live a Jesus-centered life, not a distracted life. If we're going to be about action and not distraction, the second thing we need to do is don't disqualify where you came from. Don't disqualify where you came from. When Samuel told Saul that he was going to be king, Saul didn't feel like he was good enough that his family was good enough, that he had enough of the skills, he didn't have the background, he didn't have anything he felt that it took to be a king. And that was his response when the call came to him. His response said this in 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 21, but I am only, I am only 
from the tribe of Benjamin, the smallest tribe in Israel. And my family is the least important of all of the families of that tribe. Why are you talking to me this way? Have you ever felt that? Have you ever been in that position? I don't know about you, but I am always, when God calls me and speaks to me, that is usually my response. Saul's response was insecurity. He didn't feel good enough. I'm going to be honest with you guys. One of my greatest insecurities is getting up here and speak. I was telling them in the nine o'clock service a couple years ago when pastor was asking me to get up here and speak, I literally told my husband, and I am not exaggerating, we're leaving the church. I'm not exaggerating. I said, I'm leaving the church. I don't know why he's asking me to do this. I can't do this. I don't want to do this. Why is he asking me to do this? I've already told him no. And he just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. Why? Because he saw the, God, the call of God on my life. Yeah. And he pushed me along and helped me. And so my husband being pretty wise, he did not respond to me in that moment. He stayed quiet. He's much more wise than I am. He thinks before he speaks. And so he was quiet in that moment, but he came to me after and he said, Christy, we're not leaving the church, okay? Get yourself together. That's, that's my version. But he said, Christy, God has called you to this. God has equipped you to this. You have to recognize that call that God has on your life. And you have to trust that your pastor is going to support you in the call that God has for you. And that's why I can stand up here confident and called because of the support that I have behind me. Amen. Amen. But I don't know if any of you can relate. Amen. I don't know if any of you can relate to that little voice in your head. I don't know if any of you have been called to something, even if it's a small thing. It can be that small thing that God is calling you to walk up to a person and just love on them, to see a hurt in someone, and to go up to them and say, God's got you. Can I pray with you? Sometimes that voice tells you, well, what are they going to think of me? What if they don't like me? I don't know them. Maybe it's a stranger. Or maybe it's a big thing that God's asking you to do. And you are feeling insecure. Look, I don't feel secure enough. I'm not, I'm not educated enough. I don't have women speakers in my family. I don't have a good background. I was a teenage mom. I don't have a big enough, loud enough voice. Just kidding. But I can have those insecurities too, but it can't stop us from where God wants us to go. Amen? And listen, if you do this, if you become obedient, and when that voice comes in your head, if you just go and do those small things, if you go and do one small thing, you listen to the voice of God, and you obey. And then you listen to the voice of God, and you obey. And in the meantime, you are silencing those voices of insecurity and doubt in your mind, and you're obeying God. And I'm taking another step. And I'm hearing the voice of God, and I'm taking another step. And I'm just doing the small things, and I'm just doing the small things. And before you know it, I am praying with that person. And I can look back, and I can see where I came from. And that will silence the voice that is insecure in your life and gets you to where God has called you to be. Amen. It's not about where you came from. It's about where God has appointed you to go. Number three, dare to be different. Dare to be different. First Samuel 10, 6 in the NLT says, at the time, the spirit of the Lord will come powerfully, say powerfully, upon you and you will prophesy them. You 
will be changed into a different person. How do we become different? Through the Holy Spirit. It is the only way. Folks, it's the only way that we can become different. It is through the Holy Spirit. How do we get the power of the Holy Spirit? Through Jesus Christ. We have to be in relationship with Jesus Christ for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon us well enough that he will change us and he will make us different because the world will give you an imitation of something that is different and try to get you to go in their idea and their version of different. But that is not what the Holy Spirit calls us to do. The Holy Spirit has called us to be different the way he has called us to do it through surrenderance and relationship with him. Amen. But you got to recognize that something needs to change. You got to dare to be different. You got to dare to step out and be different. You have to dare to lay your pride down, to come to an altar and allow Jesus, the Holy Spirit, to come upon you and make you different. But if you remain in your seat and you consume all of the time and you never take action to do something different, you will never be different. If you walk out the same way, doing the same things you've always done, you're always going to be the same person. But if you come in here and you allow the Holy Spirit to come upon you and allow you to be different, I don't mean feel the Spirit and the Spirit's moving in the Holy Spirit. I mean get at this altar and allow the Holy Spirit to truly change you to be different. When was the last time that's happened to you? When is the last time the Holy Spirit came upon you? That's what will make you be different. He will make you different, but it still requires action on your part. Amen. Amen. You still with me? Number four, don't allow your baggage to become a diversion. Don't let your baggage become a diversion. Where was Saul when it came time to anoint him? He was in the baggage. He was hiding among the baggage. And see, I think the funny thing about that is, is that this was after he was already changed to be different. So what does that tell me? As a Christian, sometimes we might be hiding among the baggage. Have you all ever been at the airport terminal? And you get off of your airplane and you're waiting there at the baggage terminal. They turn that conveyor belt on and what happens? All the baggage starts coming out. And you're sitting there, and I don't know if y'all are like me, but I'm looking at all of the baggage, and you see, like, the new baggage, and you're like, wow, look at the new baggage, that's so pretty. And you see the old, tattered baggage, and you're like, dang, girl, how long have you been carrying that around for? Girl, it's time to get rid of that baggage, okay? And then you see, like, the sparkly baggage where it's got all of the, the bows on it, and it's bright pink, and you're like, nobody's going to miss that baggage. Yeah. And then you see the costly baggage, like maybe that Louis Vuitton. I've actually never seen one of those in person. I don't know if those people are on the same flights that I'm on. Maybe those people ride in a jet or something. I don't know. They're not in second class like me. And so you're looking at it and I'm like, so for me, it'd probably be like, oh, look at the Target one. I think mine has like all been hand-me-downs for my whole life. I don't know that I have like any good baggage. But anyway, my point in that is, is that a lot of times we carry around baggage. We carry around all kind of baggage. Don't fall over on me. Just like the airport terminal, terminal 
releases all of that baggage. We have that baggage in our life. Some people have been carrying around that old, tattered baggage for so long. And the wheels are broken and the zipper's broken and you're just carrying it around and carrying it around and it's hurting your back and your baggage has become a weight. It's become a weight. It's not easy to carry around anymore, but you've always carried it. It's just what you do. It's your baggage. Some of you have picked up some new baggage here lately, maybe through a new relationship. Maybe through some new sin that you've experienced. Maybe you've opened yourself up to something that you didn't plan to open yourself up to. Now you've got some new baggage. Some of you have got some costly baggage. What does that mean? It's cost you a lot to have that baggage. Maybe some of you have had some hurts, some pain, some past that have cost you. And you're carrying around that baggage. And some of you, you've got the bright, sparkly, bow, big pink baggage. And everybody knows about it. Your identity is your baggage. Everybody knows you got baggage. Everybody knows about your baggage. And you are just not willing to get rid of it. But all of this baggage in our life is a distraction. And if we don't take care of the baggage in our life, it's going to become a weight. And it's going to weigh you down and you're going to be trying to roll around something. See that new baggage? If you don't take care of it, it's going to turn into old tattered baggage. And then that old tattered baggage is going to cost you. And then that costly baggage is going to turn into this bright baggage that everybody knows about. And you're all about your baggage. Don't let your baggage turn into a distraction. We've got to get rid of distraction in our life. I believe that the devil's purpose in our life is to give us just enough distraction that we feel like we're in the will of God. So we're just close enough to feel like we're in the will of God, but we're far enough to not accomplish it. That's the devil's purpose. He gives you a little bit of distraction that leads into a little bit more distraction that leads into a little bit more distraction that leads you into distance with God. We have to address the distractions in our life. And for some of us, these distractions are big. They're big distractions. And maybe some of you are, they're just little distractions. Maybe some of you, it's time to deal with some things that you haven't really dealt with in a long time. Maybe there's some hurts that have been there that it distracts you just enough to keep you from accomplishing what the Lord has for you. I can say with all confidence, with all confidence, that God has a purpose for you. I can say with all confidence that Jesus Christ is fully real. And he loves you. And he has something greater than what you're living by today. Did not say that in 11 o'clock, excuse me, in the 9 o'clock 
I really feel like when I was preach when I was preparing this message that God gave me this very specific for the 11 o'clock. I don't know why. But there's some people in here today that the Holy Spirit is saying, it's time to turn in the baggage. It's time to turn it in. It's time to leave it here and walk away from it. Don't leave it here, turn around, and then on Monday morning come back for it. Don't allow those, those sins, those secret sins. Come on, it's easy to, to put out, oh, I'm distracted by Netflix and I'm distracted by YouTube. That's the safe thing to say. How about we call out some sin? How about we call out some pornography? How about we call out some lawlessness in our life? How about we call about these things that we've been hanging on in our life for so long that it's keeping us from accomplishing the will? Those are the distractions that I'm talking about today. Sure, you need to get in line with your Netflix and YouTube and your video games and all that. Yes, you do. Yes, you need discipline and get in the word of God. Yes, you need that. But you have to start by leaving your baggage so that the Holy Spirit can come upon you and make you different. If you want to be different, he can make you different. I speak to so many people that feel like they can't change. They feel stuck. They feel like the doubt that they have about God will never go away. The Holy Spirit that I have inside of me made this little teenager different. She hasn't been perfect. She's had a lot of different baggage in her life. But it's a constant routine, a constant discipline to come and bring it at his feet and to leave it there. And that's why I can stand up here and say, Jesus He's real. He's all I've ever needed. And maybe this morning, maybe the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. And maybe the Holy Spirit is pinpointing a particular thing in your life that you're distracted by. And maybe if you're just bold enough, if you're just bold enough and brave enough to identify it, God can do something in your life. I don't want to be busy chasing donkeys. I want to be out there being the king or the queen that God created me to be. Amen. Amen. Can everyone bow their heads and close their eyes this morning? I just want to take just a moment and allow the Holy Spirit just to move in this place. They strum the guitar, the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. You can be different. I'm not stuck. You have a plan for me. 
This morning, if you've come in here and maybe you've been dealing with some things of distraction in your life, whether it's something small or something large, maybe you've brought in some baggage this morning that you are so tired of carrying around. Your back's hurting. Your feet are sore. You're not getting to the places that you need to quick enough because you're carrying this around. If that's you this morning, would you just lift your hand? Come on. The Holy Spirit wants to move in your life. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It's time to get rid of it. It's time to lay it at the feet of Jesus. It's time to develop discipline. It's time to stop chasing donkeys. Thank you, Jesus. If you're here this morning, and when you hear us talk about being different and you've never had that experience, you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, and you're like, I've never been changed to be different, but today... Today's the day. Or maybe you've strayed away from him. And you're like, you know what, God, I remember that time when I was different and I was living for you and I felt your Holy Spirit. I want that now. I'm ready for that. I'm ready to make that change in my life. And I'm going to be bold enough. I'm going to be brave enough to surrender to you right now. If that's you this morning, would you raise your hand? Thank you for your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to pray with you in just a minute, but I want to share one last story with you. Yesterday, I woke up. My little girl had crawled in the bed with us in the middle of the night. And I rolled over. I do not like my children sleeping with me. I rolled over kind of annoyed and kind of, isn't she the most precious little angel sleeping ever? And I looked at her. When I opened my eyes, my eyes went with me. See, I suffer with a disease called Meniere's disease, and it's an inner ear um, disease that can cause me to have vertigo spells that are completely uncontrollable, and I can do nothing about them, and they incapacitate me completely. So I knew as soon as I opened my eyes that something had happened. I laid there for a minute, and I began to pray. See, November 2017, God healed me of Meniere's disease. He healed me. It's been a year and a half that I've had no symptom of that. But yet yesterday I woke up and I was incapacitated from the moment I woke up until four o'clock in the afternoon. And while I was laying in bed, I opened my mouth and I spoke out boldly and I said, Jesus, you healed me of this. This is not of you. This is not of you. You healed me of this. I don't claim this. I do not recognize this as anything from you. I say, this is not of you, God. You have healed me. Because I had to be in communication with my pastor. We were preparing it. If I was still laying in bed, he was going to have to come up with a message really quick. But I told Jesus, you healed me. I'm going to stand in that. Why do I say that this morning? Because I believe some of you, have had a promise that maybe you don't feel like it's fulfilled right now. I want you to boldly proclaim over yourself the promise that God has told you. If you don't feel healed and you know he's healed you, you tell him you've healed me. In 1 Timothy it says to remind yourself. So I want everybody to stand up here in the house of God this morning. Everybody stand to their feet.
we're going to pray with those who raise their hand. And then I'm going to give you a moment to come to this altar. And maybe you have to remind yourself and God of some things that God has promised you of. And maybe you need to leave some things here in the distraction. So I want every person to pray this prayer with me. For those of you who raised your hand and boldly said, I'm going to follow Christ. I'm going to live for him. I love him. I surrender to him. I want you to pray that with all assurity. And the rest of you, I want you to pray this as well. Because I want you to remind yourself of your first love. Remind yourself of when you surrender to him. So that we can be an encouragement to these guys. Everybody bow their heads and close their eyes and say this after me. Say, dear Jesus, I surrender all. I surrender all to you, Jesus. I ask right now that you would come into my life. Make me different. The Holy Spirit, God, that you have given me, make me different. And God, I thank you that you surrendered all for me. And right now, Jesus, I commit myself to you. I commit my distractions to you. I commit my sin to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Now listen, I'm not done yet. Don't stop. Some of you, it's time to bring your baggage. It's time to bring your baggage up here. The question is, will you leave with it or will you surrender it? So as they play and as they sing right now, we're going to open these altars up. And come on, I just want to see the Lord moving in your lives. I want to see you leaving that here at the altars in Jesus' name. Because God has called us to not live a life of distraction. God has called us to live a Christ-centered life that is called according to his purpose. Are you going to leave it here this morning? Are you going to leave it here this morning? Do you want to keep rolling it around? Or do you want to give it to him? Come on. Thank you, Jesus. God, we praise you.